This Wednesday, Governor Yunkin will release his budget of what he proposes to champion here in the Commonwealth of Virginia for the upcoming legislative session. Also, get ready, sports fans. It looks like the Commonwealth of Virginia will have two professional teams located here in our state. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. Stay tuned and join us for the weekend review here in the Commonwealth. Welcome back. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. Thank you for joining us on this nippy Sunday here in Hampton Roads. As you listen to us, every, like you do every Sunday, as we broadcast from the Norfolk State University, home of the Spartan Nation, none other from WNSB Hot 81, the soul of VA. Congratulations uh, to both the MEAC and the SWAC for participating in the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. And of course, I'd like to give a shout out to my son, Ian Claville, who is the drum major for Howard University that led his band in that Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. And also, I'd like to say congratulations and a shout out to my wife, in which we celebrated 23 years of marriage on Saturday as well. Love you, sweetheart. Well, let's get right to it. As I mentioned before, this is our week in review of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, you know, there are a lot of great things that are happening in the Commonwealth and And on this show, we bring movers, shakers, policymakers to you to discuss issues important to the community. And there are a couple of things that are happening that's important to the community. There are are a lot of things, but two in particular. This week, the governor will release his budget. His budget will be released on this Wednesday to the Commonwealth of what he proposes to champion for the legislative session. Now, when you talk about the budget, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, just to give you a little back background, we have what's called a biannual. In other words, we have a budget that's released that will fund initiatives for two consecutive years. So this budget is really, and every governor gets one major budget that they can place things in the budget to fund. And this is Governor Yonkin's very first and really only major budget that he can see through. So with this, he's got a, a bold agenda, as, as all governors do, and he's going to discuss these things with, with the Commonwealth and release this to the General Assembly on this Wednesday in Richmond. As a matter of fact, according to the Richmond Times, uh, in an article printed, it says that he's asking, Governor Yonkin is asking state agencies to show options for cutting a portion of their annual operating budgets as the governor looks for potential savings in state government operations and money to pay for his priorities in the two-year budget he will propose next. Now, when we talk about cuts to budgets, you know, of course, everybody kind of freezes up a little bit because nobody wants their budget cut. You know, you, you're allocated a certain amount of dollars and you want to be able to spend that money the way you, you uh, want to spend it, of course, as outlined. But at the same time, you don't want to have to cut back. You know, listeners, this is very similar to our own budget. We get a paycheck. We work for that money. And that's our revenue that we have coming in. Now, if we're told by our employer, listen, we're going to have to cut back on how much we give you, but you're still going to have to operate at a high level. We will get a little nervous. (laughs) Well, the same is true here for our agencies here in the Commonwealth. And universities, state universities, are also state agencies uh, for the most part. So when we start to 
the hear the word cut. When we start hear the word, let's become more efficient. That's code word for let's delve into the books and see what's going on. Uh, so, you know, this is something that we're all anticipating and we wanted to find out where are these issues, where are these cuts coming from, and where, what are we going to be geared up for during the session. But according to the article, the administration, meaning the governor's administration, said he has not set a strict numerical target for spending reductions, but a state source confirmed that some agencies have been given preliminary targets for cuts, including up to, listen at this, 10% of agencies under the Secretary of Public Safety and Homeland Security, 10%. Now, some of you may remember uh, sequestration, and that was a term that was used uh, during the time of the federal government, I believe during the Bush administration, in which 5%, 5% of agencies' budgets were cut, called sequestration. And I, I remember that era. You know, that was a time where, you know, we had to, you know, programs that were funded that we needed to be funded for both uh, social programs and educational programs. Those seem to be top of the list. You know, and of course, a lot of those cuts came from not funding jobs. So in other words, if there was a job that was there uh, to hire with, uh, then those jobs were just not filled. So you tend to cut, you know, from 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 that way. But we also know that according to the next Virginia budget is facing big bills for Medicaid and also education. Now, this comes at a very important time. And we'll talk about this in just a moment, because there's one area that the governor's looking to fund that I think is important for everybody across the board. And that's child care. But with that, with child care, education and Medicaid, those you know, being able to educate, being able to uh, provide care for our children and educate our children, and uh, be, again, being able to care for us when we're sick, those are the keys. Those are some of the key and core things that we do as a society. Any society does. So to say that you're going to cut those things back, um, of course, it raises a lot of uh, a, a lot of ears, uh, but. The governor himself, according to his article, a Yunkin spokesperson said that the governor has asked the cabinet members to perform a comprehensive review of the, quote, operating budget with their agency heads and identify areas where appropriations historically have been higher than expenditures and programs that are not performing as expected or that are still being funded after their original goals have been reached. So what this uh, sp- spokesperson, and it's a youngest spokesperson, Macaulay Porter, what they're saying is that the governor is looking at cutting basically uh, funds where there was a budget, but then you're operating below that budget. So you be, you're, being, you're being given money, but you're operating below it. That's, those funds are going to be cut. And that's what the governor's looking to cut. And also... Not just those funds, but expenditures uh, and where you are performing. In other words, if you have a goal that's met and you're not meeting those goals, but you're still being funded there, they're going to make a run for those funds to make sure that you're meeting those goals. And if you're not eliminating the program and those funds are be going to be cut as well. As a matter of fact, the spokesperson for Yuck and according to the Richmond Times stated that the governor expects that there would be meaningful savings from his exercise, but he's not yet set a strict numerical target. 
But those savings from increased fiscal discipline and a focus on performance, he says, will be available to fund new initiatives in the biannual budget. So, one, there's going to be cuts to the budget. We know that that's going to happen. Um, with those cuts, the money is still there. So let's just say there is a billion dollars that, that's going to be cut. Well, that billion dollars, some of it may go into savings, but for the most part, a lot of that is going to go in funding what's called new initiatives. And this is where we talk about the governor's bold new budget. All right. So what is that bold new budget? What is the bold new initiatives? I mean, well, the initiative comes as Yunkin prepares again for his major budget where he we have bills looming for K through 12 education, Medicaid, uh, health care. But in his last speech, he to the money committees, he said that he found one point six billion that had been appropriated but not spent during that fiscal year, which ended June of this year, June 30, which is the end of the fiscal year of every year. So the previous fiscal year, the governor said that he had saved $1.2 billion in unspent appropriations. $1.2 billion and another billion as well. So when we take a look now, again, the governor does have a lot of business, business experience and a lot of successful business experience. As a matter of fact, he is the former uh, co-CEO of the Carlisle Group. Carlisle Group is a very successful hedge fund group, investment group, and uh, he made millions of dollars uh, in, in that venture as head of co-CEO of that particular group. But he's also asking to take the same approach in putting together the next budget, which, again, he's looking at, according to, um, according to this quote, uh, he said he's looking at this like a businessman. We look at outcomes, not activities. This is this is the governor himself. He's looking at outcomes, not activities. So he lets you know right there, you know, his focus on producing. If we're going to fund it, is it being produced? Are you producing what you say you would produce? So with that, this budget has a chance to look at pretty much everything. So he also said we're looking for areas that are working well in areas that aren't. We want to spend on things that are working and not on things that are not. That's what the governor said. He wants to spend the Commonwealth of Virginia money on things that are working and not spend money on things that are not. So in order for the governor to get things done or any governor, you need cooperation of the legislative body. So we know that this past election that the House and Senate both uh, the Senate remained Democratic and the House uh, flipped to become Democratic. However, even with those slim margins, the governor still has the power of the veto. So we, we see this, uh, this particular session to be a major session of going back and forth. Let's just say a tennis match because he doesn't have a, a, a Republican or conservative consensus in the House or the Senate or majority, I, I should say. So with that, but still you need support. So Youngkin has an ally in the House Appropriations, uh, which is at that time, well, he's still the chairman, Chairman Barry Knight, who is a Republican out of Virginia Beach. Uh, but he will not be the chair after uh, the upcoming when the upcoming session starts, uh, because that would be a Democrat. However, he said that he talked with the governor and he's looking at agency budgets that they're not spending all the money that they've been getting. And this is from Delegate Knight. He said, I told the governor. Nothing is off the table with me. I want to look at everything. So nothing's off the table. 
So that's where the fight begins. Everything being on the table. So not only that, but the according to the Richmond Times, the administration effort also includes a chief transportation officer who Governor Youngkin appointed last year after his inauguration as governor to look for ways to increase efficiency in state government and also reduce costs. And in reducing those costs, uh, the governor said that the initial targets have included, let's look at these agencies, the Virginia Employment Commission, Department of Motor Vehicles, Virginia ABC, or Alcoholic Beverage Control Authority, which revises annual budget under administration pressure to send an, an, an additional $21 million in profit to state general fund for the governor and legislature to spend on their priorities. <laughs> so again, it's already started. And this is where the fight, or the, I will say the legislative fight, uh, begins. Now, on the Democratic side, Senator Craig Deeds, a Democrat out of Charlottesville, said that he would support efforts to make government more efficient in order to direct savings to long underfunded priorities, such as public education, mental health. And he said that that does not trust the motivation behind the governor's new initiative. So he also says, and he's a member of the Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee, which we know that uh, NSU alum Senator Louise Lucas is becoming is now the new chair of that very powerful committee. But Senator Crady said, I think he's just looking for ways to justify permanent tax cuts. And that's something that, you know, when we when the last budget that we that we looked at, which took a while to pass. <laughs> but even with that, we know that the governor looked for permanent tax cuts for big businesses. Now, of course, a smaller portion of that was sold to give to individuals, but the big issue, the big uh, chunk of the money were permanent tax cuts, which did not go through. But it also shows that according to the Richmond Times, in the first two years, Yunkin persuaded the General Assembly to approve $5 billion, $5 billion in tax cuts, enabled by three years of big surpluses because of pretty much the federal emergency funding during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, this year, according to the Richmond Times, the Democratic-controlled Senate balked at the proposed $1 billion package of ongoing tax cuts, holding out instead for more than $900 million in one-time rebates to taxpayers uh, there, and, and also smaller ongoing cuts. Also, we have another Democrat that's quoted that says this is Democrat uh, Delegate Betsy Carr out of Richmond, who's also a member of the House Appropriations Committee, who represents a large number of state employees in her district, agreed that it's a worthwhile endeavor to ensure that state funds are not wasted or spent redundantly. But she also added, I would hope that this is not a way to further additional tax cuts versus what the General Assembly has already adopted. And Youngkin has made clear that he will ask for more tax cuts <laughs> when he presents his budget proposal next month. So he said, he's, I still believe Virginians are overtaxed, according to the governor. So there you have it. This Wednesday, the match is set. The match is set for the governor to release his budget. He's already asked for agencies to eliminate waste spending based upon two criteria. One being overfunded, meaning that you're allocated money, but you're not spending it uh, for, for programs, whatever, whatever the case may be. And then secondly, to cut funding 
for programs that are not meeting their goals. And of course, nobody likes waste and waste can be defined in many different ways. But those are two ways that the governor is explaining or giving the criteria for it. Now, with that, once that money's found, will they go for tax cuts or will they go to fund various initiatives by the governor? Well, he already said he's looking for tax cuts. He's because he believes Virginia's overtaxed. But he's also looking to fund some initiatives. And what are some of those new initiatives that the governor's looking to fund? Just a week ago, the governor uh, announced plans for millions in early childhood and child care spending. According to the Virginia Mercury, Governor Yunkin is proposing to put $448 million into the Commonwealth's early learning and child care system in each of the next two years, in each of the next two years. So let's break that down. That $448 million is not for two years, but it's for each year next, next two years. So every year, $448 million. As a matter of fact, he's quoted to say, and this is Governor Yunkin doing a press conference, it's called his Building Blocks for Virginia Families Initiative. I was actually there in attendance uh, when the governor made this announcement. The reality is that in March 2024, according to the governor, without significant reforms to improve this long-term viability of our child care programs, we will otherwise see children simply being kicked out of these most important collaborations that enable families to realize their dreams. And so we can't leave families, parents, and their children without options. This is what the governor said. Now, this is due to the last pandemic era expansions of federal care aid to states, which is set to end next year. So basically what the governor wants to do is that he wants to continue the funding of the expanded child care that the pandemic era monies helped to expand. And with this, a lot of people believe, and I believe this is also a good thing, that we should fund child care centers, especially early child care daycares because without this our families can't go out to work as a matter of fact according to the virginia mercury and then again according to the governor they include a desire to ensure every low income working family that currently receives public support continues to have access to early childhood and after school programs accelerate parent choice from home care providers and public school preschools to community co-ops and private daycare centers and require all early childhood programs to annually measure and report unmet parental demands and preferences. Now, you can look at that in more than one way, but you know this administration likes reporting uh, from individuals. So you can kind of see that as one of the reasons why that's in there. But also a few priorities, according to the Virginia Mercury, have dollar figures attached. Number one, the proposed investment includes $25 million to develop public-private partnerships in areas with child care shortages. So there's opportunities there uh, for a business to partner with public entities. Also, $10 million in educator incentives. Now, what those incentives are, we don't know, but I'm pretty sure they will be delineated uh, when this is proposed. Also, $1 million to launch early learning and child care accounts on a digital wallet platform for families with children under five. Now, families can use the wallets to accept funds such as from such groups as employers, local governments, and also family members. Now, an October report by Virginia's Joint Legislative Audit and Review Commission found that approximately 1.1 million children in Virginia, age 12 and younger, need child care. And the majority of Virginia families find care to be 
unaffordable. 1.1 million families. Now, I come from a family, my father and mother, who are both going on to be with the Lord, they passed away. But in their wisdom, they wanted to open up a child care facility. So they, we ran a, it was called the Claville uh, Daycare Center for 21 years. And in that 21 year time, he, you know, we educated and kept, you know, from newly born all the way up to uh, four years old until children were able to go to school. But when you take a look at it, we knew that child care centers were needed. And they saw that because of what was happening in the communities. You know, parents needed somewhere you could send your child. They needed somewhere, somewhere they can trust. So we see this. We see that it is needed. And this is a good thing that money's going there. But we want to make sure that the money is allocated properly and used properly. Because according to JLARG, the situation is set to worsen. Over the past three years, Virginia has used federal relief funds to help meet child care demand. However, the Commonwealth is in jeopardy of being unable to support services when the American Rescue Plan Act care funds expire at the end of the federal fiscal year 2024. So, Jay Lark estimated that 25,000 Virginia children could lose their care slots as a result of the end of the pandemic child care subsidy. So, with this being the case, we want to make sure that we, that our children, our, our families that need the care actually get the care that they need to stay and to continue to work and fulfill the jobs here in the Commonwealth and continue to build the Commonwealth. As a matter of fact, uh, just very quickly, the JLARC's estimates put the cost of full-time former child care in Virginia at between $100 and $440 per week per child or $5,200 to twenty. Twenty-two thousand eight hundred eighty-eight a year, and of course, child care providers charge fees on top of base tuition rates, which further increase the cost. So, low-income families have relied heavily on Virginia's child care subsidy program, which uses federal and state funds. So, this would be a good thing in order to continue moving forward with child care. But again, a hundred to four hundred forty dollars a week—that is a lot of money. So. Again, this is a very good effort, uh, so we'll see if it continues to gain steam, and this is something that is not just introduced, but adopted across the board. So, that is the budget proposal that's anticipated, and we'll take a look and find out exactly what's put in the budget after this Wednesday, that's proposed by the governor this Wednesday. But before we do that, before we end the show, how many sports fans we got out there? <laughs> well, whether you're basketball, baseball, hockey, or football, or soccer, whatever your sport is, golf or tennis, it doesn't matter. You know, Virginia is a place for economic development and also great sports history. So with that, the Virginia Mercury announced, uh, according to their article, uh, we, Virginia announced plans to bring two pro sports teams to Alexandria. As a matter of fact, according to the article, the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals could be headed to Virginia. Sports officials and monumental sports and entertainment, which owns the basketball and hockey franchises on Wednesday, unveiled plans to create a $2 billion entertainment district in Alexandria. That would include sports arena, practice facility for the Wizards, performing arts venue, expanded esports facility, coupled with new retail, residential, hotels, conference facilities, and community gathering spaces. Now, this area would be located 
along the Potomac River, in the Potomac Yards neighborhood, the proposed district would be adjacent to the Virginia Tech Innovation Center and near Amazon HQ2 with access to air, bus, and service rails. Of course, the governor was excited to give this announcement. Uh, and in a release on this past Wednesday, the governor called the project, quote, the most visionary sports and entertainment development in the world, bringing together entertainment, sports, technology, and the most advanced innovation corridor in the United States. A once in a generation and historic development for the Commonwealth, sports, fans, and all of Virginians. So the win for the Old Dominion comes at the expense of Washington, D.C., which this week made a last-minute pitch to keep the teams in the city, offering $500 million in financing for an estimated uh, for an $800 million renovation of the arena the teams have been using in downtown D.C. According to the Virginia Mercury, under the proposed deal with Virginia, which was approved by the state's major economic incentives commission earlier this week, the state would set up a new authority that would issue $2 billion in bonds for the district. And Monumental would have a 40-year lease of the site and would repay the bonds annually through rent payments, arena parking venues, or revenues, district naming rights, incremental taxes generated by the development. And the company would also invest themselves. $403 million in a proposed project. That's close to half a billion dollars. And Alexandria would contribute $56 million toward the construction of the Performing Arts venue and $50 million for an underground parking facility. And the governor's office has said that the state will make no upfront investment in the project and local residents will not be subject to any tax increases for it, but the authority will own the land and buildings built under the proposal. So with this, uh, Governor Youngkin also said the project would be the first and foremost be good for Virginia taxpayers. Now, why is that? Because a lot of times when sports uh, venues move to a certain city, they go into areas that are that are dilapidated, poor areas, historical African-American areas, and they just tear it down, move the people out. And it's really, you know, it's really bad for residents that were living there. And also tax uh, increases are, are there as well, attached to those deals. But the governor said that's exactly what this project represents. No upfront investments, harnessing financial horsepower, the future incremental taxes and other revenues when it estimated, here it is, $12 billion of economic contribution to Virginia and the city of Alexandria over the coming decades. $12 billion economic contribution. So the CEO of Monumental Sports and Entertainment called Virginia, quote, a fantastic state, noting, unquote, noting that you're also the only state, the most successful state without professional sports teams. So if you think this is big, big moment, that's kind of a capstone for the journey of making Virginia a major driver, major part of this whole new economy where sports and technology are big drivers of what the community stands for. Now, if you remember, Commanders. It was a push for them to locate here. Uh, so the Washington Commanders would actually, it was a push made to have them here as well. So the Commanders sell. this could revive the Virginia General Assembly interest in a stadium relocation because of this being pushed. But let's see what the legislators are saying, because this also needs uh, the approval of the General Assembly. With that, 
U.S. Senator Mark Warner said local and state federal leaders will need to build on the investment by improving existing transit, engaging the community. Uh, you also have Delegate Heron, which is the Democrat of Alexandria, majority leader. She says she's encouraged that there is dedication to do the work to ensure that there is not disproportionately impacting the most vulnerable in our community. So for all you sports fans out there, for everyone here in the Commonwealth, progress is on the way. And that's one of the great things we have here in our Commonwealth progress. So once again, thank you so much for joining us for Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. As always, be good, be great. Thanks for joining us for this weekend review, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>